Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Bear Hug Club podcast. Greg coming at you live. Well, not live, actually. We're not through the power of Wednesday night, Paul, Friday night, Raw for a change. No, we're here for a special edition. Uh, this special edition is something I've been wanting to do for a while. Back when we had our one-year anniversary, um, I had the idea that I wanted to sit down individually with the Bearhook boys and get their top 10 favorite wrestling matches, and I will get to the reason why in a little bit. But let's introduce my first guest. He was the last member to join the Bearhook Club podcast, but he is solely one of our favorite members. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Scott Archer. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Uh, save the best for last and then the best for first afterwards, I guess. Uh, I am Scott. Yes, I've been a wrestling fan. I was a wrestling fan when I was a kid. Um, uh, I don't remember how young. One of my first wrestling memories is Paul Bearer being buried in cement. Um <laughs> And then around that, because <laughs> I used to watch it around my nan's house as well, and my nan <laughs> was watching this too, and was like, "Nah, this this kid shouldn't be watching this." Uh, yeah. But I do remember like Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, you know, all that stuff. And then around about the time when I started getting into uh, uh, the later stages of primary school, uh, I don't know what happened. It just kind of uh, fell off. We would no longer had Sky, so we couldn't watch. Uh, SmackDown or Raw, so uh, wrestling just kind of teetered out until I happened across um, a stream of a particular match, which I'll get to in my honourable mentions, that got me back into wrestling back uh, in uh, 2014. Uh, and just started watching a lot of WWE, and then the rabbit hole, I fell down. I fell down it so bad, and now I'm trapped, and now here you find me on a podcast about it. Uh, the rest is history. There uh, you so go. Thank you for having me uh, yeah, absolutely, discuss, discuss that journey. Yes, absolutely, man. Well, yeah, as we kind of alluded to there, uh, Scott will be giving us his top 10 favorite wrestling matches of all time. And the reason I want to do these is because uh, obviously I do this podcast with my mates. And I mean, Scott, we've known each other, what, like five years now, I want to say? Yeah, since around 2016. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, five. Met. Five, six years going on. And I just always, I obviously I know my people who are wrestling fans, and obviously I appreciate that you are. I just don't know why they're wrestling fans. And I feel like if you want to get to the root of it, doing a top 10 list is one of the best ways to do it. It not only gives me an understanding of why you're a wrestling fan or what you like in wrestling, but it just generally lets me know what kind of matches you really adore, what you kind of put up there as like the pinnacle. We should obviously say when it comes to the top 10 list, the subjective as well. Mm. And mm. anyone's top 10 list can literally change about a week later. So yeah, I am, I'm, as we'll see with Scott's endless honorable mentions, <laughs> I'm amazed he narrowed it down to 10. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure everyone's included uh, and to let them know that if it was a top 30 list, they could have made it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 this was helpful for me as well because wrestling fandom, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Greg, is a strange mm. thing. Sometimes you need to be reminded why you like it. It's, it's just a, you like it so much, and then sometimes you'd watch a thing and be like, why do I like this? What <laughs> weird, weird thing that I found myself adoring. Um, yeah. and this was a slight reminder of what I like about it, uh, uh, doing like having this as a thought experiment and be like, okay, what are my favorite matches and why do I like them so much? Uh, I very much ranked these ones, like you said, subjectively. Uh, so they aren't, it, 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 these would, this list would differ from 
what I reckon objectively are the best matches of all time. Because yeah, some, of course. It's something I would like to take out of a wrestling match that say an instance of a match that isn't on this list is um, Okada versus Omega. Um, right. Everyone like, everyone objectively would say that is one of the best wrestling matches of all time. Yes, and I, I, I would actually agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but subjectively, like, I can't really explain why it's not on this list. It's tough, really. I don't think I've... Like you say, this could change mm-hmm. on a dime, and I could watch that match again and be like, "Yeah." I could like then re-notice all the subtleties and be like, "Okay, I get to appreciate that." But these are the matches I go back to after the, the first watch and watch again and watch again because there's something particular that are, that kind of calls to me in a yeah. weird way. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. No, oh, absolutely. Well, it's like you were saying that. I think one of the reasons. Um that especially we became friends and it was through the medium of wrestling. And I feel like this is why it's quite interesting that you're the first guest. Cause I mean, other than Jace for the longest time, wrestling was this very taboo thing that only I knew he liked. Like you didn't know many wrestling fans. And then when I got to uni, you were the first person I met who actually was not only a fan of wrestling, but was a fan of wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wasn't a casual, <laughs> which is why I was like, okay, I'm going to grab onto you now. We're, we're best friends now. <laughs> You're not leaving my <laughs> side. And I mean, in, in a lot of respects, if we hadn't met, this podcast wouldn't have met because I met Garrett through you. Yeah. And yeah, it was me and him who started this off. And I mean, yeah, potentially without me, me meeting you, who knows where this could have ended up, where, where this could have yeah. been a thing. Yeah, it's all absolute chance. And mm-hmm. I, like around about 2014, when I did get back into it, I very much did get back into it as a casual because I was like, mm-hmm. I remember early Cena back when I used to watch as a kid and me being like, he's the coolest guy in the world. He raps. When I got back into it um, in 2014, I remember talking to Brogan, who very much has been a hardcore fan for his entire life. He wasn't like me. He didn't have a dip where he stopped paying attention. He has been paying attention for so long. Yeah. And I remember sitting down with him having a drink. And I was like, oh, I was watching wrestling the other day. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, who's your favorite? It's like, oh, no, John Cena's kind of cool, isn't he? He's like, what? No. <laughs> John Cena sucks. He be- he buries everyone. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he had the spinning belt, right? The spinning belt was cool. <laughs> so, genuinely like that. And the more broken was like, no, 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 no. No, no, you're looking at it from the complete wrong angle. Uh, and the more, like, I, I think he he's very much responsible for me going from casual to the oh see the thing is about the japanese style in comparison to the north american style and especially even the canadian style and uh, yeah (laughs) yeah and yeah that's like i said this is a deep rabbit hole that i've fallen down and i've uh yeah i've appreciated every moment of it but yeah no i I think the moment because i was like you because when i got to uni i'm 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 a drama student for crying out loud i was like there ain't no way anyone but me in what <laughs> seems like the entirety of LSBU are going to be into the same thing. So what I'm going to yeah. do is I'm going to sit inside my uni room and just stream the whole thing. I'm not going to bed at 5am most nights anyways. Kinda helps. Yeah. Um, and then I I don't know how it was brought up between me and you. Just the offhand I think you might have made an offhand wrestling reference or you were wearing some merch of some kind. which Possibly. Made me just, yeah, yeah, which made me very casually just kind of go like oh you know i watch wrestling occasionally and that's then 
I think if I remember this right, all we could talk about for the preceding five or so hours, which made the other people we were hanging out with at the time very upset. <laughs> well, I mean, I do remember the first night we met, but we can't go into too many details in case our, our mums are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> like hell miners. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It was um, one of those things where, because again, again, I met you through my flatmate because he knew kelly and you were friends with kelly at the time yeah who was my flatmate so it's <laughs> exactly an absolute chance meeting absolute yeah. chance meeting 100 and look where it's led us well we'll probably do a bit more preambling as we go through but uh we've obviously got the list to get through but before then we've got probably what at least three lists worth of honorable mentions to clear <laughs> oh so. you betcha <laughs> Previous, previous watchers of this will know whenever we do one of these top lists, Scott always just stacks on the honorable mentions. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll rapid sure. fire them. <laughs> this is just in case anyone in the comments goes, yes, but what about so-and-so versus so-and-so? Yeah. It's your or list, bit, buddy. <laughs> yes. Well, like it's like <laughs> any, when I like to use hyperbole. And whenever mm-hmm. I do uh, on the podcast in previous episodes, I'm like, oh, that's one of my favorite matches of all time. So um, this is me covering my back somewhat, being <laughs> like, yes, they were one of my favorite matches of all time. Uh, but now I have to numerically rank them. So sorry. Um, uh, so I'm going to go through them kind of rapid fire. Um, you can just, yeah, no, it, it, whenever you feel like, just stopping me feel absolutely free um but so here we go um firstly i will use the match that got me back into wrestling and Mm -hmm. it's weird because it's like not the best wrestling match either this is very much a sentimental thing but some cool things happened in this match including some of the best sales of all time and one of the best returns of all time see here's the hyperbole coming back in um (laughs) this is the survivor series elimination match from survivor series 2014 one of which okay. Dolph Ziggler had was the best sellers and Sting coming back to do his his business. Um, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa um, absolutely deserves its recognition. Lights um, out one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. Danielson versus Page one and two. I put here uh, Nakamura versus AJ Styles at Res- Wrestle Kingdom ten. Um, was the first New Japan match I ever saw because that was incredible. Um, Ibushi versus Osprey at Sakura Genesis. Um, purely for one spot. And that's the spot that got memed the absolute hell out of where he flips out of the uh, the Avalanche Rana, stands up, and they do the weird anime stare to one another. Perfect. Um, uh, Ibushi's back versus Alexander in the Cruiserweight Classic 2016. Classic match. We watched that the other day. Um, the the Trinity, Gargano versus Champa. All three of them deserve to be recognized. All three of them are perfect. And number one, very many made the top ten. Mm. Um, yet again, Lee versus Dijakovic. All of the matches they had together. Um, Keith Lee is my favorite. I love him. Uh, and <laughs> King Correct will never happen because... Last time I was on this podcast, I guessed that it was going to be Okada instead of Keith Lee debuting in AEW, <laughs> uh, and I staked my reputation on it, and I shouldn't have, because I'm stupid. Um, 
Uh, Noam Dar versus uh, Osprey versus El Liguero at WCPW Loaded in 2016. Nice. Um, I I love that match. I love it so much. So many flippy boys. Um, <laughs> uh, Austin versus Rock at Mania 17. Um, it's just, Solid. Solid, guys. Imagine that in a list following Dar versus Osprey versus Liguero. I mean, it's like... <laughs> so far your honorable mention, honorable mentions, I should say, are a lot of people. Some of those matches would be top of some people's lists. So exactly, like I said, <laughs> that's like the objective lists. Uh, my list is weird, wacky, and all over the place. Um, <laughs> yeah, another one that was this was top of my list a little while ago. To be fair, it changes, but. Uh, Owens versus Cena uh, at the Elimination Chamber 2015 for the United States Championship. John nice. Cena is a great wrestler. I don't know what Brogan's talking about. Uh, spinny belt rules. Um, <laughs> Orton versus Taker at Armageddon 2005. Uh, uh, Orton sells Undertaker being a dead man very well because you would be scared of a dead man. Um <laughs> Arcade Anarchy on uh, on Dynamite 2021 um, oh, okay. had so much going on, including the debut of the Pixies being the theme for um, Orange Cassidy, and it just it made the finish of the match fit so well. And also, Lego Thumbtacks is genius. Um, <laughs> uh, the Rumble 2010 being my favorite Rumble, just about missed out on 10 spot. It got switched out the last minute. Um, uh, the best match I ever saw live, uh, Naomichi Marafuji versus Pete Dunne at Lucha Forever Ultimo Battle 2017. I saw that with Garrett. I nice. remember Garrett say, singing its praises a couple of weeks ago on the pod too. Um, and lastly, both matches between Michaels and Taker uh, and included in that as well is Triple H and Taker as well, uh, the first one they had. Um Hot damn! Hot damn! Yeah, yet again, yet again, would make would be number one. What have one you left for us? Uh, well, let me get to that. Some people would be like, "What the hell is he thinking?" Putting those on top of them, I will explain. I basically rank these in terms of like how many times I've gone. I've been like, I want to rewatch that match today. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. I feel like rewatching that match today because it puts me in a great mood. Um. That's what it should be about, man. Like, honestly, I think when I come to do mine, there'll be some on there. People will be like, okay, that's very typical. But I think there'll be some on there that will surprise people. Yes. Whenever we get to mine. Some point. Absolutely. And I look forward to it, too. Um, uh, number 10 starts with a lie I told not but three minutes ago. Okay. Uh, when I said that um, the trilogy between Gargano and Champa, when I said that they weren't all on the list. I've scrolled up and realized that I did do a last minute swap not but moments ago. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a flying start, Scott. Well, so flying number... start. Yes, number 10 is Gargano <laughs> 10. versus Champa at TakeOver New Orleans 2018, which is their first uh, match together. Which you and me have got a lot of happy memories of because we watched this live. Uh, uh, yes, and we what did. Correct me if I'm right, this is the same show that had the six-man ladder match, didn't it? Um, um, is that the right one? I th I'm not sure. This is the match where uh, Champa first came out with no music. I think which is that is. It was. It was. It was the one for WrestleMania, and it had one yeah. of the most insane cards. Uh, Stick over New Orleans, wasn't it? 
Yes, 2018. Yeah, let's check the rest of the back card. Uh, yeah, so that was the one that had the insane ladder match, which they Oh, Lars Sullivan, Velveteen Dream, and Adam Cole and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep, uh, Ricochet debuting as well. Uh, Shayna Baszler versus Ember Moon. What? That was also that was also the 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 night I pulled off my amazing prediction when it was uh, undisputed era Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly fighting the Office of Pain, Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong, and they just oh. done that tease of a heel. They done that tease of them wanting Roderick Strong, and he defied them. And I said, I bet he's going to turn tonight. And I was I like, Yes, I remember that. I remember that. And me being like, No, no. <laughs> look at Roddy. Look at him in his little vest. He's so cute. Um, <laughs> And then also oh, yeah. had um, Alistair Black versus Andrade St. Almas, which was... Oh, I mean, that card was just too I good. just need to re-watch <laughs> this whole ass show once again. Um, yeah, this is this is easily... I look back on this whole feud, this whole trilogy with such fondness. You will find that this whole top 10 list is a bit of a love letter to NXT. As you may know, it's one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. Uh, the return of punk rock, punk rock wrestling to the mainstream. I mean, I mean, here's the thing with NXT. If people don't understand <laughs> why we're so upset that NXT 2.0 is a thing, they clearly weren't watching the black and gold brand yeah. at all. At least yeah. until recently, you know? It's... When you were saying earlier, it's like I'm interested to see what these guys find in wrestling. It's like I love <clears throat> a fucking I love a Greek tragedy. I love yeah. just like I love two characters who have come to battle and it's they show it in their emotions. I like the the Shakespearean element of uh of well, wrestling matches. That's yeah. your drama side coming out. Like you exactly, are someone who loves exactly. the story. You need a good story. To, to get to the in-ring action. And this had not only in a tremendous story, but as we'll get into, the in-ring action was just... Oh, top-notch. These two can have a feud for life, and I'll watch every single match, and I'll be uh, constantly impressed. A um, couple notes I had when re-watching. Um, of course, like I said, Champa coming out to no music and just booze. Unending, unrelenting, throughout the entire match... The crowd that chat. This is some like this heel work. I don't think I've seen anything to match its absolute energy from the crowd. Like they were, just, they were just oh yeah, hard against Champa the entire time, which just made chat, which made Gargano an absolute superhero. Which is just the testament given, like in by this point. I mean, obviously for the last decade or so. It's been more of the common thing for the heels to get cheered and the faces to get booed. So the fact yeah. that they were able to actually pull off the desired effect speaks volumes to how good this feud was. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's also one of the first matches since getting back into wrestling. I think you might have been there for my reaction to this on the at the time, but it's rare you see the exposed concrete, Yeah, which is such a yeah. good spot. As soon as someone tears up that mat... It's like someone's breaking the fourth wall. It's like someone in a Marvel movie going to the green screen behind them and tearing it. <laughs> it's just like it's just like it's such a break of the of of the of the typical discourse. I was just like, "What? What are you doing? The mat's there for safety reasons. Stop it! It isn't funny anymore." <laughs> and then and then the power bomb on it. It's like constantly Champa's getting yeah punished for his hubris and punished for because it, it plays into the finish as well. Because Champa has this whole hubris of this is my moment, and that's his entire catchphrase throughout this whole thing. This is my moment. This is my moment. Whilst Gargano is just upset that his friend 
betrayed him um, to the point where it plays into the finish of the match when Gargano gets the uh, knee, uh, the what's it, the crutch, um, and gets ready to hit Champa. Champa shies away, and there's a brief like moment where Gargano is looking down at Champa cowering, yeah. and then goes to give him a help up, um, which is which then Champa goes to hit them with the knee brace that he's been wearing this entire time. The reason he's been out for so long. Then it's counted into Gargano grabbing that knee brace and getting the, him with a Gargano escape around the mouth with the knee brace, which is just an awesome, awesome visual thing. I, I like. There's another thing I love. I love a good visual. Yeah, I love a good visual. And the and with the knee brace across the face, it was just absolutely perfect. Every element of the match played into the story they were telling and the build up. It was like they had many, they had a whole wall, an armory of Chekhov's guns, if you will, <laughs> uh, and then proceeded to just grab one, fire it, drop it, grab one, fire it, drop it. So it's just like, I, 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 watching this match back is just very satisfying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very satisfying. Absolutely. No, I mean, again, solid choice. I mean, I've got an insane amount of fond memories for not just this match, but this pay per view. Um, because I, I mean, again, we, we stayed up live to watch this and WrestleMania the following night, and this show mm. just blew WrestleMania out of the water. Like, we absolutely, yeah. I think by the time, I mean, given WrestleMania is a lot longer anyway, we were pretty much tired anyway. But, like, I mean, I, I remember us being revved up the whole night for this show, and usually, at least towards the end, I'm starting to feel a bit tired. But man, by the time they were about to hit the ring, I was just pumped up. It was just so good. I mean, and you're right. I mean, the match is like nearly 40 minutes long, but it doesn't yeah. feel like that. It, it flies by. Like they they worked it so well. Like again, they like said tons of great visuals, just masterfully set up. Still wins when Champa's head hits the concrete. That was gnarly. And, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. As someone who has because it's smooth concrete, right? That's a that's a stone floor. That's it. Uh, uh, so like as someone who's fallen over before. As, as anyone can relate, I have fallen from, nay, but this far off the ground and have been winded from it. And that, <laughs> that winding has, has KO'd me for like, what, 45 minutes afterwards? I'll be like, oh, like uh, it, this. I don't know how tall Gargano is, um, but that's still that's still a good five and a half feet too tall. Uh, yeah. To fall onto concrete, maybe power bombed onto it. I don't care, like how well you can take that bump, but also the fact that typically they teach you in wrestling to take the bump with your hands going down like that. Champa took it as you should take power bombs to that, like this, where he's curled up. He's of course protecting the back of his head, but then again, that leaves his whole ass spine to drop onto exposed concrete. There's no way to not make that hurt. There's yeah. absolutely no way. And the fact that they just continued the match, they are tough boys. And the other two matches in this trilogy just hammer that point home so hard. Yeah, uh, I I adore this whole whole ass trilogy so whole much. Trilogy. No, I agree. Again, you're right. If, if you're going to take a bump on concrete, you're just going to have to eat shit and like it. <laughs> there's no way it's going to... There's no way it's gonna be comfortable at all. Yeah, yeah, fully, fully. Uh. Solid first pick, Scott. So, what have you got for number nine? 
for number nine, um, we're, we're going back in time a little bit um, to a match that I believe changed wrestling history. Uh, mm. And this being uh, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Nice. Um, the textbook, not just the textbook, but the magnum opus of double turns. Um, as I said earlier, like the visual, and it's the most classic wrestling visual, I think, ever uh, of Austin the blood. with blood the blood. Uh, feel it like just not giving, not relenting in Bret Hart's sharpshooter. Um, it's not just that spot that I like about this match, but the whole yeah. match's pacing. There's not one wasted movement in this entire match. Every Everything to the most minute detail plays into this story to the point where every element of subtlety, even the things that, because there's a lot of audience in that WrestleMania, there's people going all the way up to the sky. I don't know how, I forget the attendance to WrestleMania 13, but there are a lot of people there. And no, none of them are going to notice the subtlety that was caught on camera to like every minute aspect of Brett's face when he's getting more and more frustrated that he can't put Steve away. And Steve's just like, like almost where he's just it, because he's going over his knee the entire the entire match the uh, the knee with the brace on it um so every little micro cell of that knee that Austin does that you only really recognize on like the fifth viewing or the fourth viewing um uh, i th- i think the attention to detail in this match warrants his place um on this and of course the finish where it set both stars to austin to go on his face run which yeah single-handedly saved wwe don't care how you look at it that is just the truth um and bret hart with his heel trajectory uh, and yeah um yeah that's my notes on this match it's just <laughs> an example of also how to sell a limb that builds into the finish of this match that, that, that Austin, it made, it made both, it made both men look very good. It didn't put anyone down in defeat, which a lot of matches currently do even in AEW sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, because the thing is like, this is obviously you're right. The match itself is tremendous. It's just obviously a lot of people remember it for the double turn. And if that's the case, go back and watch it. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> It, it, it is literally probably for my money the only example of when an, the like a double turn has really gone right, and they, yeah. they kind of they kind of peaked with the bar on that. And every other promotion since has been trying to like think they can do it by booking it that way. It's like, well, no, you, you need the yeah. right professionals in there. And you're right, it's because people like Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin are very meticulous about the details of a wrestling mm. match, especially someone like Bret Hart, which is why I think the match is so perfect. Yeah, that way. I mean, it, it is one of those ones that would be on a lot of people's top ten lists. For and sure. yeah, it it, it 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 is just down to the fact like Brahart is just such um, meticulous with these kind of details. Um, and yeah, you're right. I think I think this is basically one of the crucial moments that without potentially this match, the Attitude Era and the Chris Uncle Steve Austin, sorry, could have been very different. Absolutely, and the popularity of wrestling as as an art form. I think, like, as an art form and a sport would have been so much different if it wasn't for face, Austin, heel, heart, 
so on and so forth. Um, yeah, the, the 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 way that this changed history in itself, and also just to just to just to just to just a cherry on top. Do you know who had a great showing this match? The special guest referee Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock. Yeah. My man got a pop because he just he he got Bret Hart off of Austin after the match and stood there and just went. <laughs> like that. And I was just like, "You go, fa- you go, pal, you go, fella. You're great. I love you, Ken Shamrock. <laughs> you, you go, you go, Ken Shamrock. Two for you, Ken Shamrock." <laughs> <laughs> With the fact that, yeah, it made this, it made Ken Shamrock look good too. Like every everyone came from this match just shining if, bright as they can. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, this was more or less Ken Shamrock's debut in WWE. More or less, yeah. I think I don't think he'd actually probably wrestled. Yeah, I think people he'd been around, but I don't think he probably wrestled. And this is just kind of the teaser for who he was, I guess. It's easy <clears> to forget how big of a muscly boy he is until you see <laughs> until you see him uh, in a ref top. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. No, um, I I always think when when people say like. What is the most baby face moment in wrestling? There's a couple moments I will get to on this list, but these are the, this is one of the ones that I do think about. Uh, oh, Steve yeah. Austin passing out and doing the weirdest stunner on the other referee, uh, just because <laughs> he's on one leg and very tired. Um, <laughs> but yeah, protects him in defeat as well. Still makes him look like a badass tweener. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think about this match and I smile a lot. Solid. Solid choice. All right. Uh, excellent choice there for number nine, Scott. So please gracious with your number eight pick. My number eight pick um, is Jim Cornette's favorite match of the last three years. Mm. Um, and it had no crowd. Um, it's Walter versus Dragunov. Bam. The first, the first one. The first one. Um, yeah, I think it, whatever you need to know about this match is plastered all over Dragunov's chests. Um, yeah, this was the best example, I think, of strong style outside of Japan. Like this, this was a fight. This, this was, um, like, like, uh, how do I, how do I, I think, I I think about this match, in, in my opinion, the fact that there was no crowd improved it. Oh, I 100 agree. I, like, like a lot of people, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like a lot of people do rate the second one quite a bit. But I feel like, again, this is one of those rare times COVID actually had an effect on a match positively because not yeah. having the crowd there, you could hear literally every, every shot yeah, they were throwing yeah. into it, and that just made it. Oh, because there, there, there are points in this match you feel like almost like you're watching. So the best impression, like, like almost like you're watching a snuff film. A little bit. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You're kind of like, I feel dirty for watching this, but I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, in my opinion, and the reason why it made uh, number eight over its sequel um, is because because Dragonov was beaten so horribly in defeat, but kept, like, really took the fight to Walter nonetheless. I think he looked better in this, despite losing than when he won in the sequel. Um, I He just looked like an absolute warrior. I, I love Dragunov so much. 
um uh, and Walter it goes without saying at this point um and yeah th- these are these are another uh this is another singles match I'd love to see uh I'd love to see it at like a mania just to just to see what pe- like a uh, people's reactions to it would be but that very much hinges on both men being used well especially now one's called Gunter uh, yeah. and who knows what Dragonov's going to be called um especially after the current Russian tensions. Um, <laughs> uh, so I just, I just hope that, um, yeah, I just hope. Uh, and and <laughs> the, the strikes in this match as well, it's, they're so beautifully stiff. It, it looks like at no point in this match that they are any, either man are going stiff to the point where they're going into business for themselves. It looks like they might have had a pre-match agreement. It's like, we're okay to beat the ever-loving, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah. the stuffing out of one another. We're cool for that, yeah? Great. See you out there. Bye-bye. And it's like, it, it, it's a stiff to the point where it gets the other person over. Um, yeah, every single element of it. And, of course, I love the picture of the post-match interview where Dragonov's just covered in red marks looks like he's had enough but he's still trying to get interviewed by that woman uh, <laughs> yeah i uh, know i i i have uh and just the way this match builds up and it never relents it never breaks i don't i think there's barely a rest hold barely yeah it's just straight chops and kicks to the point where you're like are they trying to kill each other? But like, <laughs> I, I feel, I, I feel like, like it just kind of speaks a lot to them because they are very much cut from the same cloth when it comes to wrestling. Mm. They are very passionate about this industry and putting on these kind of matches. And I mean, people who would have followed them for ages would have known they've had similar encounters in uh, WXW and Progress. Yeah. Um, very much, this is something that they've done on the indies for a long time, and finally were able to bring it to the main stage. And I mean. Proven point is the fact like NXT UK is actually a really good brand. If you actually check it out, it's got good stories, really good production, solid matches. But no one seems to give it the focus it deserves. This got yeah, like cause... mainstream attention on WWE. Like it had yeah. people, like Drew McIntyre watching and reacting reacting to it, which speaks volumes to how good it was. And sure, Michaels I think reacted to it too. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's the thing. That's the problem with NXT UK. And it's sad, really, because everything else about NXT UK is absolutely fine. Uh, I would change nothing else. But the problem with NXT UK is that it's just not marketed. And it it feels like it it, it then makes me feel like the the people in off in in Connecticut just don't care about it. When in actuality, like they are just quietly bubbling away on BT Sport, making great wrestling content. And the mainstream WWE media just aren't aren't putting adverts out for it no like not not even on like the network or anything like they they'd like advertise stuff like ms and mrs fair enough um and all that stuff but just like yeah yeah um, i mean like look at the names like jordan devlin and a kid and and uh and dragonov of course um which uh i'm we're forgetting british strong style as well mustache mountain uh they're all (laughs) <laughs> sublime wrestlers. Je- Jenny's on there for crying out loud. Like yeah. it's got it's got a it's got a packed women's division too. Um but they're just quietly bubbling away, making really good wrestling. Uh one day they'll uh, uh somehow find a way back to that big spotlight that they got from this match. 
and maybe then WWE will remember that they exist. Yeah, I mean, simple as that. You hope you really hope. I mean, I mean, I mean, it it must speak some volumes that do like are following the last two years of extreme cuts. NXT UK is yet to be hit by them, which is surprising. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe right. Maybe maybe it'll. Maybe they just still see some value in it. I mean, the fact that they spent the time setting up and gutted a lot of the the British scene to get that show off the ground. I mean, who knows? But yeah, absolutely like solid match. Like this, this would possibly be in contention for one of my top ten matches, um, or at least. Part of my really long honorable mentions as well. It was. Just like, <laughs> I, I just everyone think... everyone needs a thirty match long honorable <laughs> mentions. <laughs> um, I, I think you're right as well. I, I just prefer this over the the second one. I enjoy. I just wasn't too psyched on the ending of it. It just kind of mm. comes a bit out of nowhere. It doesn't feel like there's there's, there's much of like the sort of in story build to it. Whereas this yeah. one is perfectly done. Like it, it is just both men getting really scrappy with each other and Ilya never backing down until he just can't do it anymore and Walter manages to walk away. Yeah, yeah. And Walter can really tell a story during a match as well. Like like, like I said with the uh, with the Brett Austin, uh, the, the the ways that Walter shows his frustration out of not being able to put this uh, little, little warrior down uh, and going to deeper and deeper lengths to make sure he does so it just really helps with the overall story arc of the match. It, it has it has like a <laughs> real definitive like arc all the way through. I I really appreciate this uh, what this match is. Ah, hundred percent, man. Uh, again, another solid pick there. So, what have we got for number six? Uh, wait, six. seven, seven, number seven. Sorry, yes, uh, number seven um, took up a, an entire hour, uh, uh, like. Not an entire hour, entire half hour of my morning this morning, because uh, these are two wrestlers that also have, a, I believe, a trilogy and then some extra matches on the main roster. Yes, this is another NXT match. There's going to be a lot of them. Trust me. Um, but this, I think, this is this is the the match that I think. Yeah, it's because of one spot mm. is why it's here. One or two spots, I think, actually. Um, this is the Iron Woman match. Uh, takeover respect between Ooh. Sasha Banks and Bailey. Um, the heel versus face dynamic in this match is literally akin to CM Punk and MJF. Yeah. Uh, except if MJF was just lovable and adorable uh, and relatable, and if MJF was a woman. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, uh, the fact that, and the reason it's uh, on this list over its predecessors, and the first, initially, it was their first match that was on this list. Okay. But then I rewatched this and I was like, nah, Sasha, Bank- Sasha Banks makes a child cry. Why is, this has got to be there, like, the whole fall where Sasha grabs Bailey, throws her in the Titantron, and that Titantron does the, the love the thing I love about NXT as well, which they never do on the main roster. So when someone's thrown into a screen, the screen does that strange static stuff. And yeah. it just it helps really <laughs> sell the moment so well. And then Sasha just nicks her little bow tie like hair. I forget what they're called. That one hair that clip thing. thing. Yeah. Hair, hair thing. Uh hair band. There we go. <laughs> Um, 
with the bow on it. She nicks it, puts it on her head, and does the whole does this as she's crying to her dad. Your and child. the cameramen, are, the cameramen are like, "Yeah, let's get every moment of this bad boy." Yeah, and um, yeah, just bilking it. The crowd are going nuts. This was literally because this was done in front of the full sale crowd. This wasn't yeah. even like a whole arena thing, but full sale were loud from start to finish. Um. I adore the full sale crowd. There were occasions where I'm like, oh, they're getting themselves over a bit. That kind of sucks. But yeah. it was but when the chips were down and it was matches like this, they knew when to get serious and they knew when to help the wrestlers out. And this is the perfect time to do it as well. Um, yeah, this uh Bailey just uh, the, like the other subtleties in imagery, like Bailey starting off with the full pony, neat as hell, finishing off the half hour with just a lion's mane of chaotic hair. You can barely see that the ponytail, yes, is still kind of in, but like, <laughs> uh, and um, the recall to because um, in the first match, Sasha destroyed Bailey's hand in the ring steps, and it played into a lot of the match. Um, Including a really good spot where Bailey's reaching for the ropes in the bank statement, but Banks is just stepping on her hand repeatedly. That it gets over the hatred and the bitterness of that rivalry, but Bailey does it back to Sasha, and it plays into the final pinfall where Bailey's got Sasha in the bank statement this time, like a modified version, and then just peels her hand back. And in, in this most beautifully, like, brutal spot where you got this lovable hugger Bailey being meticulous and maniacal and precise in her tactics. It, oh, it, um, yeah, I, I, and the fact that that last fall happened in the last four seconds of the half hour countdown as well. Um, this was just a fabulously paced match. Um, and, yeah, and and oh, they do a they do a reverse runner off the top better than most wrestlers do nowadays. And I'd love <laughs> to see, I'd love to see this rivalry back. I'd love to see the legit boss Sasha th- Sasha back. And I'd love to see Hugger Bailey back. And I'd love to just see them do this match again because why not? <laughs> it was really good. It was really um, good. Let's let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when, whenever they're like. When they come up with a, like a, when WWE are just constantly like, uh, what what can the women do now that would make history now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, two on one handicap match. Oh, first ever women's two on one handicap match. L- watch these. Mm, watch them make history. Um, but like <laughs> this was actual. This was an actual case of them making history. The, the Iron Woman match. It showed vignettes of them training leading up to this point. Uh, showed vignettes that, like. Uh, of of the previous match and how it stole the show from uh, Takeover Brooklyn, um, which is another great takeover. Oh yeah, um, for sure. and and, um, and yeah, this in my opinion, uh, and also the four the, the other horsewomen and Stephanie McMahon clapping from uh, the sidelines as well, just a sign of good things to come. Really, uh, yeah, oh, that's my love. That's my love letter to this match. I rewatch it a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think I think what a lot of people forget is about when it comes to the dynamic of the four horsewomen. It really was Sasha and Bailey that were basically pulling that along in NXT mm. for the longest time. Like I don't know, Charlotte Flair obviously had the NXT women's title for a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, I mean they were the two that really sort of spearheaded that whole women's revolution, evolution, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um <laughs> 
It's just interesting the dynamic shift. I mean, they've all, they've both done tremendously well on the main roster in their own right. Um, I think I think I remember this is like one of the first NXT matches I might have ever seen as well. I was a bit late to it. Um, I started watching NXT about 2014, so I think this is one of the first ones I saw. I just remember it being like mind blowing because I mean by that point I hadn't seen a women's like women's match like this at all. If ever, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just kind of showed yeah. that WWE were really on the pulse of something, and it was great that they finally capitalized on it. Yeah, it showed them just being like athletes and just wrestlers and not divas. Uh, and this was like the, the big instance of that, really. I mean, we yeah. had some some key marquee matches, of course, beforehand in NXT between Paige and Emma. Um, uh, that was around the time I started watching NXT when they started, they were they were literally just a couple of weeks before they both hit the main roster, basically. But I, I'd always go back and watch highlights of their feud. Um, uh, Paige being like the anti-diva and Emma doing the weird dance that made <laughs> her really funny. Um, and the, the fact that there was a similar dynamic in this feud too, with the like real meticulous Sasha Banks uh, and the lovable colorful baby face of bailey um uh but they i think i've said it on this podcast before but it's the simplest formula of just book don't book them as women's wrestlers just book them as wrestlers for crying out loud it's so easy just write and if they're so stuck with what to do with women's wrestling just book a men's wrestling match and just put women in it this is they can do it. They've they've shown this is an example of a match in which they can do it, and they could put on a damn good one as well. Um, yeah, this, uh, it, yeah, this is a great match. This is really yeah. good. Hundred percent, man. No, it's definitely one hundred percent a standout women's match, and not even just the women's match, but just a standout match in NXT in general. Like this would probably make. A lot of people's top 10 lists for like all time greatest NXT matches. So, yeah, 100%. Um, right now, on to your number six. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this is another one which basically from here on in, any of the following matches could be number one. And right. At one point, I think, yes, at one point, I think, uh, during the process of you make asking me to make this list and me having the final draft that I'm presenting to you now. Uh, at one point, this was number one. Okay. Um, but after some deliberation of my subjective love for each of these matches, um, to the point where I've ranked them so like, on their like rewatchability, this one's certainly really far up there, because if I'm ever in a bad mood, I watch the finish of this match. Um, and okay. sometimes if I'm in a really bad mood, I watch the entire match. And I'm made very happy because this match is a long one. This is um, Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, no Way Out 2005. Nice. Because come on. Yeah. Uh, I just thinking about this match makes me so happy. This is the, in my opinion, the best version of Brock Lesnar. And the one of my favorite baby faces in wrestling ever in Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Um, in my eyes, he was still a baby face when he was a heel. Because uh, I just love him, <laughs> I love him so much. Um, 
even when he was fighting for the custody of someone's kid. I was going to say, were you like, you can win, Dominic? Come on. I was like, I was like, I mean, he could be in worse hands. I mean, like, come on, yeah. Um, but I love Eddie Guerrero, uh, so much because he is like the he was like the epitome of like a Robin Hood character, where like. He yeah. uses like his his dastardly cunning, but in such a brilliant way, and it and it wove into this masterful tale of like the underdog versus um, the the brutish champion who who's like too cocky. This was like a good American sports underdog movie. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's <the> where <laughs> it starts with Brock Lesnar's just in control and he's showboating. Telling him at the start, like you ain't nothing, you ain't nothing, and just not taking his con- uh, his um, competitor seriously. But there's like strategy, that, like the the 4D chess that you can. This is all, by the way, to address wrestling as a whole. I'm aware that this is all fiction, and I'm aware that this <laughs> is just two people telling a story. But it's told so well. It's just like oh, that tiny little minuscule bit of detail plays into the strategy overall for Eddie Guerrero. He's playing this game of 4D chess that Brock's not even aware he's playing too, to the point where Guerrero gets him in this advantageous position where he's finally able to just get Brock down by the ring post and smash his leg and smash his leg to the point where Brock has to then realize during the match where he's like, hold on, he's been working over my leg so much that I now have lost half of my, like, I've lost my balance I've lost my ability to do a lot of my best moves to, and he just the entire time Guerrero doesn't go for, I think for two thirds of the match doesn't go for any other body part of Lesnar. Doesn't even go for a punch. Everything's yeah. aimed at that same left leg and it works so well into just, uh, uh, and it just builds and builds off of that. Sometimes in the WWE, especially a main event match, which they make, go for as long as this match did. I think this match is like 40 odd minutes long. Um, sometimes it can just be like rest hold, uh, rest hold <laughs> and held into the corner, miss a clothesline, thrown to the outside, boast to the crowd. Okay. Uh, it's going to get fun soon. And it usually does. This match was just like a constant back and forth Will Eddie do it? Kind of thing. No, Brock's too powerful. Like a foot. Like I. Another thing I like is anime, but maybe not as much as most anime fans. But yeah. this is very. This this match was that. Um, and now and then I just after that after all this stuff, I then just start listing the final spots. Uh, i.e., um, the Goldberg near fall, where Goldberg comes in and just spears Brock. Um, when Brock gets the championship belt after knocking out Hebner with the yeah. F5. Um, and then that makes for a near fall where Guerrero, of course, goes to pin. And it's literally, I know that this phrase is used so often that it makes him numb at this point, but two and three quarters. Mm. And Brock kicked out at that last possible time. You can hear the crowd because the crowd are slow to get into this match, but when they're into it, they really are. Um, Because they, at one point, they're chanting Goldberg at Lesnar. (laughs) Because they're just like, he's going to win. There's no way Eddie's coming out with this with a win. He's going to win. 
the F5 attempt into the DDT onto the belt that came not long after that is a very famous wrestling spot that I oh was performed to absolute perfection. Um, and then just the ending uh, is enough to make you cry because he runs straight into the audience, jumps on them, everyone's celebrating, everyone's having an amazing time, and he goes straight to his parents who are just bawling his, their eyes out. And the crowd is still going nuts at this point. Um, yeah, this was seeing Eddie Guerrero with that beautiful undisputed belt is it, 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 like I said, I go back to this match when I'm just like, oh, a bit of a downer day today, a bit gloomy. Let's watch Eddie Guerrero be a hero, and this is why it's one of my favorite matches of all time. It's it's that it's that go back ability that will factor into the this and the next five of my matches. Okay. No, I, I fully respect that, man. Yeah, I mean, I've, um, I don't remember watching this match live when it happened, but I do remember the following of Eddie, Eddie Guerrero as champion um, and how like monumental that was. That was like a defining period, I remember, as a kid watching SmackDown every week as Guerrero as champion. I think, I think what's surprising about his run is he was one of those wrestlers that was never fully confident about being world champion. Which yeah. is surprising given his the way he performs. Yeah, he he was never confident about being champion, never fully felt like he should have been world champion. When in, in my opinion, he was like tremendous in the role. And again, one of the what was what would be shocking about this match is that literally a month on WrestleMania, Brock's having his last match for like 10 plus years with WWE just walking out the door, flipping Vince off on his way out. Yeah. And then it's just the fact that you've got that ending visual, which it, we can never show anymore of just him and Benoit him and hugging. Benoit. Yeah. The two guys who many people thought would have never been at the pinnacle getting there together and yeah. basking in that moment. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's akin to seeing, uh, like, what if Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens had yeah. had both the top belts? Like, it would be akin to that. And it's something I'd like to see because I love NXT so much. Um, <laughs> Uh, but like that—that's also is like this amazing video visual made kind of somber by, of course, what happened after that. But as a snow globe moment, if you trap those feelings in that globe and just like forget about what happens outside of it, it's such a precious wrestling moment, such a feel-good moment. Um, I wouldn't mind <laughs> just. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't mind just keeping that actual thing in a snow globe. To be fair, just seeing like like just look, it's snowing over Benoit and Guerrero. Look, I'm gonna put that there and just forget anything that happened with those two ever. Um, well, I know what I'm uh, getting you for Christmas, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this was actually one of those matches that I watched. Um. I didn't watch it live, but I remember watching it when I was very young. I think it's, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about how the years add up, whether I watched this after I wasn't watching it as much and I just kind of dipped into it and I didn't know what to think about it as a kid. Because when you're a kid, you're just like, hey, look, it's The Undertaker. He's dead. <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it always evokes feelings of, because I'm not going to lie. I'm a human being. I I like films like The Mighty Ducks and just like <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. Where or any of the Rocky films, where it's just like 
oh, underdog sportsman from America or wherever uh, uh, beating, uh, uh, I mean, I'm a Southampton supporter at the end of the day. I have to support the underdog. <laughs> the underdog is just my life. Um, so when I, whenever I see something like this in any of that and this match, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it no matter what. And this match was just, to me, is, is one... I can actually use the hyperbole here. One of the best matches of all time. Ah, oh, oh man, I mean, 100%. I, it is a tremendous match. So, hey, I mean, it's your list as well. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge of what's good around here. <laughs> I, I do what I say. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, right. Scott, number five, please. Number five. Um, oh, this one. <laughs> this one uh, is really tough because I'm not sure it should if it should be further down in the list. But at one point, it was also number one. Um, this one's uh, Omega versus Danielson at Grand Slam 21. Ooh, um, very recent pick. Okay, I very like it. recent pick, but. You got it's hard not to acknowledge the stuff that Brian Danielson's doing in his run right now. Just very, very casually just putting on match of the year candidates every other week. Yeah. Um and 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 I, f- I feel like this is the best way to acknowledge that. Um because this is this is a once in a lifetime match. Uh set up by the end of the match to be twice in a lifetime. I fluctuate on how I feel about the finish regularly. At the moment, I'm in the mood of absolutely if it sets up another match, which is more like more like an Iron Man match or something, um, where it has some finality to it. Um, uh, there's just so much to like about this match. It's just fluid, artsy wrestling, which yeah. packs an absolute punch. Uh, it's a mixture of styles from two different generations of Ring of Honor um, uh, and, heck, two different generations of AEW. I mean, I think that's weird to say because AEW's not been going on for terribly long, but it does feel <laughs> like enough happens in AEW to warrant like certain periods having their own sort of significant players. And there's... This is a spot fest and oh, yeah. an enjoyable one at that. Surely it ends in a draw and it ends in a bit of an anticlimactic draw. However, it does end with the, uh, Brian finally locking in the bell, the, the bell lock um, to then get it broken up by the elite. So I'd say so long as this match is recalled, uh, at some point in the next year or so, or two years even, depending on how long Danielson plans to stay in AEW, I think I'll make an amendment now. Mm-hmm. If that never happens, then instead I'm going to go for uh, Hangman uh, versus Danielson 2 instead of this match. I can so th- this comes with an asterisk, sure. However, the reason why, in my opinion, it just edges out the page stuff is because 
of the sheer amount of knees, the sheer amount of striking. There is a spot where the um, one-winged angel is basically like so fluidly uh, countered into a reverse Rana um, where it, Brian Danielson doesn't make it look clunky or like even pause. He just goes with the momentum and is just like, Ugh. it makes it also look like he's still selling as he does the Rana, which is why I love that spot so much. It doesn't make it look planned. It makes it look like he almost did that amazing, amazing counter by accident. He's just that good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's had like I said, it's had just a big once in a lifetime feel, um, and w- yeah, if if ever this rematch does come back, uh, I would absolutely put that in this thing's place, just because I feel like they could, st- yeah, I know I know this feels a bit like a stopgap spot, and I f- I know it's almost, uh, it's weird to put this in front of Lesnar Guerrero. However, I rewatch this match a lot. It mean it, it's just so awesome to see those two in a ring together because this is one of those things where like a couple of years ago like man these two are never going to face each other but what if they did and they did and it was great um, and they they could have gone for longer which is why I like it so much it's a lovely little thought experiment that what if just got just got plus plus added to it the what if that we had from years ago was just like, yeah, but what if, and then some, but yeah. Um, that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like this is one of those dream matches we thought we would never get. And the fact that it did happen and it happened just recently still blows my mind. Um, again, I, I don't hate the finish. Like a lot of people will rag on, you know, no, contest finishes or things like count out finishes i feel like they are a necessity and can be done right and i I, I agree with you to the extent of i think that is going to set up the next match down the line i feel like if if they're going to meet again it's probably going to be possibly when maybe brian is the champion because then you've got that flip in the dynamic i think brian will have a run with the aw title at some point depending on how long he's there but i feel like the things that they've set up with hangman especially because they've done two matches now when the third one rolls around, I feel like Brian might be the one to take the belt from him, mm. especially at the moment. Um, either him or MJF, but either way, be happy with that. And I feel, I feel like, I feel like, the, like they are going to do Brian versus Kenny again. But I think the reason why they've delayed it more so over than doing it with Hangman is because they know they already know the match is going to work. I feel like that is something they're banking to save for a later date. And I feel like when it does, it'll just be as good if not better than their first encounter and you gotta remember as well this is like towards the end of omega's run with the championship and omega throughout that entire run was wrestling hurt and again you just couldn't tell by watching this match he's still not at all 110 percent yeah yeah uh and it it just goes to show how these are the wrestlers that are going to define this generation uh in this sport in this art form uh the, this this was uh AEW's Rock and Austin honestly and it was just on the weekly show and it's a testament to what AEW really is uh they make stars and they put they get other stars to help make those stars bigger stars uh and this was literally just two just 
oh, here's a dream match for weekly TV. Bomp. There you go. Have fun. Have that. Um, <laughs> and um, and it's like they the, the, the way this match flows from move to move, constantly surprising. It looked like it made it look like the wrestlers were making it up as they go along in kayfabe. Like they'd they'd run off the ropes and they wouldn't even know what was going to happen between there and eventually getting to Danielson or Omega. They were like, oh, I guess a uh, knee uh, or oh god, uh, they're going to kick him in the head. Uh, like they they made it. They played into the psychology of the match so well. It looked like they'd been planning and choreographing this whole match for the previous year and a half. Like that's how well orchestrated this match was. Not one bit fell out of place um and it was just gifted to us on weekly tv um and i miss that happening on stuff like raw or smackdown where we used to have like amazing matches just gifted to us on weekly tv uh now it's just, just segments segments segments. <laughs> um, <coughs> segments and adverts yeah yeah no i, I again yeah i mean this is why <sighs> I understand if people prefer the WWE product of AEW again. It's all yeah, yeah. I just don't understand when they can say that WWE's got better match quality because AEW mm. really does spoil the fans. Basically, again, it, it's it's why I like the fact they only have the four pay per view system yeah. because then then they will just give you stuff for free on their live TV, and I think that. That's what makes it even more special when you do get to the pay-per-views because then they are just saving up an extra special match for them. And then you get something like an all-out 2021, which is just a flawless show throughout. Absolutely. Um, right. Yeah, that's my that's my number five. Super. Number four, please. Number four. Um, yeah, I love number four. Okay. I love it a cool. lot, and uh, and you all love it a lot because I think we watched this one together as well. Um, yes, we're going back to NXT, baby. Um, this <laughs> is um, Takeover Chicago 2017. Um, the big strong boy Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne for the UK Championship. Uh, this this was the best example of getting a crowd who don't care about you to care about you in 15 minutes to the point where they're chanting UK. This is a US crowd in Chicago. Um, sure. NXT crowds are quite smarky, um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they didn't really care about this match when they were, when these guys walked out on, onto, uh, onto that ring onto uh, on a, on a match that seemingly to them didn't have a lot of build, but they, that's because like I said earlier, NXT UK just isn't very well marketed, and that's fine. So well, I mean, long as matches like this change their mind. I think at this point, NXT UK had yet to launch, to be fair. This came not long after yeah, the yeah. first ever tournament as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, yeah, because this match was going to launch a division, basically, wasn't it? In which case, what was going to do show. so? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. There's, this is just. This does this match doesn't give you a second to breathe, and they they have been doing this on the UK circuit in progress and beyond for God knows how long. They're two members of British Strong Style. They are um, they are so familiar with one another. Both Brummy lads, 
Um, <laughs> both big, strong, vegan, brummy lads. And, <laughs> and, and everything from the airplane spin that just went on and on and on and on. It was just, oh. Um, all the dives to the outside. That real unique thing that Tyler Bate does where he bounces off the rope using, like, the back of his neck and shoulders uh, into, like, a rebound lariat. There's all the stuff that happens on the outside with all the dives. There's every single forearm. There's that entire segment where they're just beating the pulp out of each other. They go down, go real knackered, and then they just continue beating the pulp out of each other. It's... This was, like, almost just, like, Punch and Judy wrestling. It's just <laughs> like this was just two puppets like non-stop hitting each other like this. It was it, I I love this match so much, made even better by all the chants and the audience getting behind this match. Like after the first real cool spot, uh, and the, the the pace very much like a lot of the other ones on my list, just didn't give you a second to comprehend what's just happened. Until they are like, uh, until they are onto the next spot, it, it gives that. It, like, like I said, this this list is very much based on its rewatchability. It gave this match rewatchability because I'm just like, hold on, what the bloody hell just happened? So I have to go back and be like, oh my god, and, and just comprehend all half the stuff they did. Um, I the 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 flips that Bait can do off the top road rope for someone of Bait's age. He just is some kind of incredible athlete, and Pete Dunne is years ahead of his time. Oh my sure. god, he is years ahead of his time, uh, and he, he he, I think is the outside of McIntyre, he's the closest we're going to get to another UK champion, um, uh, would... unless they for some reason choose to push Wade Barrett once again. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. I would, I would love to agree, like, for, for sure, my money on getting our first ever English WWE champion would be one of these two boys. Mm. Slightly wavered a bit since, given how much WWE has kind of forgotten about its UK lads a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, I could be proven wrong. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, th this, was, this was kind of a match that, Looking back on it, mean, if I remember rightly, Chicago was again another solid takeover, but this is the match that I always remember from it, and I've gone back to watch many times. I don't want to talk too much about it because spoiler, this is pretty much gonna end up on my top ten, I think. Yeah. When I think about <laughs> it, this is this is this is the one clash we've had so far where for sure it's probably gonna end up on mine. So I don't want to go too much into it, but I basically agree with all the sentiments that you said. It's just the fact like this match was, I, I, I think it had a little bit of hype and build to it, but again, the UK division wasn't yet a thing. I think they then too would briefly brought NXT just to set up having a match at the Chicago show. And this match basically went on to steal match of the year across various people and publications. Like they completely just showed up and did what they'd been doing for years in the indies, but on a grander scale, and everyone was like, oh shit, these guys are really fucking cool. Like, the UK yeah. scene is fire. And they were basically the poster boys for it, essentially. For sure, for sure. It really put a spotlight on something that deserved a spotlight. Like, because there's not, like, Americans, to my knowledge, don't really know an awful lot about the UK scene. They don't know an awful lot about progress and stuff like that. They've only just started, and that that's what made them realize who people like Volta are and Keith I think, Lee. 
and stuff I like that. I think certainly to an extent, I agree. But then again, when I went on holiday in New York, some guy recognized me in a Progress T-shirt. I think That's I think the hard yeah. the die the diehards are pretty switched on to the UK scene yeah. and made such a buzz. But I, I do agree to your extent. The wider WWE casual audience and even to pros and extent the NXT audience, which are pretty hardcore, probably weren't that clued up. And this yeah. was certainly the match that went, yeah, this is why you should should be checking out across the channel because all the coolest all all the pretty much most of the best wrestlers on the planet are coming from either there or europe <laughs> for sure there was uh, a segment on raw that followed uh, i'm not sure how how long after it followed it but it was during enzo amore's cruiserweight title run yeah. um oh you remember it with such fondness but uh, <laughs> i think they went to this was either the london or the manchester show where kurt angle was the uh, then running general manager um, and Enzo Amore had this like open challenge. I think he was in a feud with Callisto, and um, Pete Dunne's music hits on Monday Night Raw to a staggering ovation. Because what they had planned was Kurt Angle would then come out and introduce Pete Dunne for the people who didn't know. The thing is, what though, is that everyone in that arena knew who the hell Pete Dunne was because that they hadn't watched him in any of the stuff from the UK scene. They had then watched him through either the UK tournament or this match. And so everyone knew who he was. But it did die down the pop. And Pete Dunne beat Enzo Amore decisively. I remember one shot of him running across the ring doing that. He makes this brilliant noise, Pete Dunne, where he just goes, yep! And just <laughs> bang! You hear the slap of the forearm because he just suddenly appears in shot like a, like a freight train. And it makes me so happy just to see him clart. <laughs> just clart into Amore. And Enzo Amore does a great job of selling it too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great example of the influence that this match really had on uh, someone as amazing at, at wrestling as Pete Dunne is. Yeah. Absolutely, man. No, I agree. Um, again, solid choice. And again, it's pretty much a strong contender for my top 10 list so spoilers for whenever we eventually get to that uh number three number three so now we're getting into really tough territory because like i said all the ones previously were in contention for number one this one a little bit less so but like uh, is in the top three because let, let's say like dunn versus bait maybe feel like pride mm -hmm. right See, yeah. there's the, the emotions I get out of this man. I get like a rare stint of national pride from uh, Bait versus uh, Dunn, other than the fact that it's very entertaining. Uh, Omega versus Danielson, I get excitement uh, from my number two. Um, it's more just an appreciation of the style, of course, but it's mostly just like sentiment I get from number two. Um, and number one is just a feeling, uh, we'll, we'll get to number one. We'll get to number one in and of itself because I think it's number one is the perfect example of the art form. Number three, which I'm going to go into now, uh, is the one that, that made me explode with tears. I don't mean cry because there have been times whilst watching wrestling that I've shed the odd tear. Uh, I even note in my notes, uh, see also Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, um, yeah. which maybe like shed a tear and just kind of like be like, yeah, really cool, real cool, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for a multitude of reasons, um, um, 
Hangman Page, Silver and Reynolds versus MJF, Santana and Ortiz at the Brody Lee Tribute in 2020 destroyed me. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed me. I remember watching this match and a lot of other matches. I'll just dedicate like this entire show as also being like an asterisk next to this match. But this match particularly um, ruined me. It ruined yeah. me. I, I, I was I was inconsolable after this match um, because I I think of all the matches on this top ten list, this is the one I've met, I've watched the most mm-hmm. um, because the whole thing is available on YouTube. Which is just just click on on it if you haven't watched this match. My God, what are you waiting for? Go watch this. Um, Brody Lee had passed away, not but two weeks prior early yeah yeah um and Brody lee is one of the people in the industry that had such a far reach and was such an influential character was a father figure in some cases to a lot of these wrestlers and you could see what it meant to silver uh <laughs> and they even got uh Brody lee jr in with a great spot with a kendo stick hitting mjf in the head by the way the heels in this match did a great job because they didn't break character for no. this. MJF was still a dastardly bastard who took off the negative one's mask and spat on the damn thing, but then really sold the kendo stick shot from Brody Lee Jr. And you could tell by the way that Brody Lee Jr. is smiling. This is the first instance of me breaking down, by the way, and the match hadn't even finished yet. And we didn't even got to the real sad bit that comes in a bit. Um... Uh, but yeah, in this match, everyone's put over, and especially one man, and that's John Silver, Johnny Hungy. Um, he go, he, I've, I think he is the Cesaro of AEW, just by a the way he wrestles, and b just his sheer charisma. I'd say yeah. Cesaro's less like good on the mic and stuff like that, but that's okay because Cesaro is Cesaro. Look at the man. And you get this sort of similar aura from um, John Silver. Sure, in a sort of different way, but it comes from the same ballpark of this man can just run around the ring doing moves to everyone and still keep going. He, put his, he puts his athleticism right next to his, uh, his uh, character work, and he's just a force to be reckoned with in this match. He is a whirling dervish of limbs that just keeps going and going. Um, and at one point, he just he does that whole Cesaro spot where he just runs around the ring, just jumping, uppercutting, and just doing all kinds of stuff. This match really puts him over, especially in the last, uh, the closing bits of this match, where Wardlow attempts to get interrupted only for Big Red um eric redbeard or as chris jericho kept keep saying on commentary uh eric rowan <laughs> and then proceeds to mention the Bludgeon brothers which is, we'll let it slide because it's a tribute show uh and wwe didn't seem to mind all too much uh, no. but, but yeah um it's just i loved i think it was shivani who kept saying like no it's it's eric redbeard it's it's, it's redbeard uh but, yeah <laughs> Um, where he does that whole palm in the face slam to Wardlow, punches him to the back. Um, and then everyone's around. I forget if it's either Santana or Ortiz, um, but everyone's gathered around ready to finish. Um, but Hangman and Reynolds back away so that um, 
Silver can do the rotating Lariat, the 360 Lariat, get the pin, and he just collapses in tears. Um, and everyone mobs into the ring, uh, including Redbeard, who has a sign saying, uh, goodbye. Uh, no, see, I forget what the exact phrasing. Uh, um, I feel horrible for forgetting that because I I know this. Oh, um, okay, man. It's like something like "See you on the road, brother." It's something like like Huber always said to Eric when they were in WWE. Uh, oh, someone's got to correct me with that because it says something. Um, but then someone is massive and tough looking and steadfast looking as and as intimidating as Eric Rowan then you watch him also in tears it's it's the most real wrestling has ever felt to me yeah uh, I know that this isn't a work none of this is a work apart from the match in and of itself the rest of it is is sad and as real as people grieving which is tough for uh, it's tough because it's universal and especially so here uh, and it really, it really hammers home what how important this community is, both for the performers and the fans. Uh, how tight knit everyone can be, because everyone can feel like they're at each other's throats constantly, especially on Twitter. Uh, but this was, I, I think, the tragic moment where everyone banded together to pay homage, and I think it's so special. To see it have been done this way, given them given an entire show with a dark order had every win, uh, yeah. and basically all turned face and for the better as well because they're such brilliant faces as well. And the and in the long run after this, um, you can see that the the kind of contradiction of them being a cult but also a lovely cult is just, <laughs> yeah. it's just one of my favorite things in AEW they are still my favorite faction in AEW and yeah i've uh, this match in particular um i had to rewatch a couple of times because i just had a box of tissues and yeah it was a real testament to their father figure brody lee who who basically took this family under his wing uh, and really set them off for a brilliant feature in wrestling. No, I agree, man. I, th I think what this show demonstrated the most, like, see, WWE have had these similar moments, and they do put on a fairly decent tribute to whoever may have passed. But then there was always that feel that they still had to kind of at least get the, the, the ball rolling with what they had in place. Whereas Tony Khan was like, well, no, with all storylines are stopping tonight's just purely about Brody, and that's what made the night feel special. It was like a thing where everything else they were doing was just on pause, they were just honoring someone who meant the world to them. And then that's the thing you got from this show was like how much of a family wrestling can be that they could just band together and just support the passing of a friend as well as help their family out. And it's the fact, like, even someone like an MJF who was still. Fully in character, fully healing up. You can at least see through his actions in this match that he has got that sensitive side by the fact like he he let little Brody Jr. hit him in the head with a kendo stick, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and even then afterwards, he went on Twitter and just said, fuck that kid on Twitter. <laughs> always, always healing, but I think it just shows that like he's just too dedicated to the bit at times. But yeah, it was just such a touching night. And I think 
you'd have to be made of stone not to be moved to tears. Yeah, and and, oh, and yeah. I think and I think it's just the stuff following. Like I, I read the uh, his wife's uh, thing on the Tribune players about his passing. What I found cool was again the sense of family was like he 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 basically passed away after like around Christmas time. Um, I think it was literally like the day after Christmas, and she called Cody and Big E. And so, and because they were um, his, the son's favorite wrestlers, and said, "I need you guys to be with me the day after Christmas, so I can break the news that the dad isn't going to pull through." And they traveled across, basically, from different parts of the country to be there without a moment's hesitation, just to be there for his son, which is just yeah, unbelievable. Incredible. And again, you just see this in this match, and again. It is just the power that wrestling can have on not just the people who perform it, but the people who watch it as well. Yeah, and the, the, like, uh, yeah, and as I as I say, like there can sometimes feel like with all these like dirt sheets and all this like all this like brand warfare, where it's like AEW versus WWE, and you got to choose a side, bucko, unless like you know, like, and, oh, my product's better than yours, this wrestler's better than the other wrestler, how dare this wrestler have heat backstage? It can sometimes feel like there's constant conflict no matter where you look. Yeah. I think I think this was the one instance where everyone WWE, AEW, no matter how you look at the product, whether you're you're very much siding with Cornet or Meltzer or wherever you come from, that a reminder that this is it, it's 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 a family uh fandom in in a weird way. And it's it's accentuated by the fact that the the family fandom fight all the time. That when this one time where we all we can all get together and appreciate this brilliant man's work, and it was exemplified so well by this show and microcosmically this match. Hundred percent, man. Now, very, very good pick. Uh, right, we'll keep rolling on then into number two. Number two is one that you've spoken about in length on this podcast in um, uh, 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 matches you ought to see. Matches um, you need to see. Matches you need to see. Thank you. Sorry, my brain My brain is melting <laughs> ice cream and it's falling out of my ears. Um, uh, it's... Yeah, you, you know how much I love this match because I think I ranted and raved about this match to you on multiple occasions. Um, and I'm paying it lip service now. It's uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn um, at at Takeover Dallas 2016. Ah, oh, I mean, come on! This was this was a passing of the torch between two of my favorite eras of NXT. This match is a love letter to NXT. I love NXT. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yeah, no. Who'd have thunk, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um. From Nakamura's first entrance, hearing that music for the first time, seeing this NJPW superstar, um, finally j- just just a clash in so many different ways. This Spider-Man No Way Home level crossover in wrestling, um, <laughs> which, which was the start of Nakamura and NXT and the end of Face Zane in NXT to in my opinion, influential figures in wrestling. Um, yeah, Nakamura's entrance theme, the strobes, the, the the dip down, and then just the match that happened after this, 
the greatest example of strong style in North America I think I've seen. I can be proven wrong if someone links me something. Um, but I don't... I, I think everything in this match was Herculean in and so unique. Um, it This was a battle. This this was like the big the ma- a match where like like a clash between two significant characters who just wanted to prove a point in beating the pulp out of one another. It wasn't just like I hate you, so I must defeat you. It was more of just a kind of I'm an icon. I'm not going down without a fight. Versus I'm here to prove a point because I am also an icon. Um, and it it was a clash of intentions that led to Sami Zayn having to adapt his style to Shinsuke being surprised at how adaptive Sami Zayn <laughs> was and then having to meet him halfway with the North American style too. And it also contains a beautiful spot where Sami Zayn goes for the classic dive through... Um, the corner turn, uh, turnbuckle ropes into the DDT. Counting in just a kick to the head. A classic everyday kick to the head uh, yeah. that Shinsuke does so well because um, genuinely uh, Shinsuke is just a, a normal, tough-looking you know, Japanese dude and then his legs are just I don't know, really long and can go in, and are incredibly flexible and also hurt a lot. Um, I'm pretty sure if that man kicked steel, it would bend. Uh, so, like, uh, uh, and I, I just my, my final note on this, which makes me kind of sad. It's almost bittersweet because we'll always have this match, and I think it will always be up there. Um, but I do miss the face of NXT Sami Zayn uh, with his cool trunks that have the Arabic writing on the back and all the countries he's wrestled in. Um, and his like, like short ginger hair, ginger beard combo, where he's always like, "I'm a cool, I'm I'm a cool guy, but I'm I'm not a pushover kind of face act." Um, against <coughs> the true badass, um, king of strong style, Shinsuke Nakamura that we got from this match. Well, at the end of the day, it's another snow globe moment where we'll always have this. Yeah. Um this is this ain't going away. And they're they're doing like segments together now where I'm just like constantly just hoping that we they recapture the magic that was caught in this match because we know they're capable, but they are oh, both yeah. sensational wrestlers. And because of this, they're still two of my favorite wrestlers. And I don't think despite the Jinder Mahals and despite the Johnny Knoxvilles and the Bobby Lashley sisters and the all, all the stuff that these two have been through on the main roster to try and dull what they did in this match, there is still a heavy element of me that's optimistic and being like, I know that they can still go back to this. Yeah. And it makes you feel real good. No, I agree. Um, again, this is another one we will clash with because this will definitely make my top 10 list when I come around to doing it. I can say yes. that was hungry. So I will keep a lot of my sentiments for that one, but essentially they would echo same one as yours I, I think i think for me what was the thing about it is that zane didn't through this match but shinsuke peaked with this one too early he did he really did thing. it felt like it felt like when they brought him in it was like they were letting him be 
the Shinsuke that everyone wanted him to be. And the Shinsuke then... they saw versus Styles and had countless yeah. amazing matches in NJPW. But... Yeah, exactly. We, we got NJPW for kind of one night only. And then, again, it's kind of the point of NXT. It's to take talent in, even if they are quite established, and just keep train them the WWE way. Mm. And I feel like they still let Shinsuke do the strong style stuff, but it just wasn't to the degree we've seen him do it before. Um, and I just feel like, yeah, ever since then, the, the only other thing, what point where I say he really did hit that peak again was when he won the Royal Rumble. Yes. And even yeah. then, like, the feud of AJ was good. It, it just wasn't mm. on their New Japan level, but again, it's because it's the WWE style yeah. and how they want things done. Punch him in the that. dick. <laughs> just keep punching him in the dick. Oh, I, I, I know a lot of people hate it, but I'm sorry, that double dick shot that they do on each other it, was just yeah. a work of art. It's just I perfection. Agree. I agree. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, uh, we, 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 we came very close again to getting... We've come close a couple of times to getting the Shinsuke Nakamura of this match, especially when he re, he's recently regained his last theme, but then yeah. he also gained Rick Boogs. It's not a dig at Rick Boogs. I kind of like him. Um, <laughs> he's a good wrestler but, as well. Yeah, he's, yeah I kind of like Rick Boogs. I think they should be competing as a tag team instead of Rick Boogs being his manager. Um... Uh, they should, yeah, because Rick. Whatever happened to Elias, man? Why can't Elias be part of this as a trio? Uh, and it's just, just like, gone. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love Elias, but I digress. Um, yeah, I, I think they should be competing for the tag titles. I think there's not enough tag teams in WWE as it is. I think there should be more. Um, and I think they are right there. Use them. Uh, and also, he is still Intercontinental Champion, by the way. Uh, just, just. Spoilers, Zane Zane won the belt. Did he? I think I think this was a I don't know when this episode's going out, by the way, but yeah, um as a recording this, I don't know if it's this Friday coming. I think they might have pre-taped it, but Zane wins the belt often. I guess that's something happening with the Intercontinental Champions, which still makes me feel sad. But at least it's going back to Zane. <laughs> Zane's good. That's that's good to good, good to good. Feel bad for Nakamura, but good for Zane. So I middle out, I plateau. Um uh, yeah, cool. I like that. At least he didn't lose it to Boogs. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Lose to Boogs. No, again, again, I I adore this match. Um, echo a lot the same sentiments, and when I get around to doing my list, I will basically give my two cents on it. So I'm just not going to say a lot myself now, but again, absolutely adore this match for a lot of reasons. Well, it's been a long journey, Scott, but we're finally it has here. Been. It has been. We are here. Oh, Number boy. one. Number one. Ah, oh, see. Oh. This, <laughs> this, this, this match is most commonly at the number one spot for me, although it does okay. fluctuate. This is the match that always remains real high up there. Because, as I said earlier, this is, in my head, the perfect example of wrestling being a, a, um, a method of telling stories. Okay. Um, uh, character work and uh, a match being a progression between characters, how emotions can be conveyed. And this is a masterclass 
and it was done at Mania uh, on a big stage. Um, and it's WrestleMania 28. It's Triple H versus The Undertaker with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. Um, and Ooh. you can you can also because this match was years in the making. Because when I said earlier this episode that all the stuff of Michaels and Taker and then Triple H and Taker subsequently in the, after their first bout, um, this is under Undertaker. Go, this was the match where Undertaker went twenty-one and zero. He was getting on. He was he was he was he was getting older. Not as old as he is now, where he's still somehow competing. Um, but <laughs> this was still to the point where, like, yeah, people thought that Undertaker. I mean, twenty and one is still incredible at WrestleMania. It's still incredible, and people were conceding like it could happen. And WWE knew that, and thought to take all these years of building up between Michaels and Taker, Trips and Taker, Trips and Michaels. Got those three incredible combustible elements over this long, long-term story, and had it combust inside a cage for near an hour. Mm. And it looked—it's that they—they—they marketed it as an end of an era fight. And oh my god, how appropriate that statement is, considering. The trajectory of storytelling after this match, bar NXT, because I love NXT. Um, <laughs> uh, like the the fact that the performances feed off of one another so intensely that Michaels is just so conflicted on whether to acknowledge the the man who res- he respects and he let retire him versus his best friend who he believes is like driving himself up the wall bent on revenge for the previous wrestlemania um and he tr- and despite the hell on the cell stipulation you could argue that there's so many instances of this stipulation being ruined see also seth versus fiend like this is a great way of being like 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 maybe muting some of the hardcore elements of that if you if it needs to be so it becomes more of a spectacle of yeah. the referee being so emotionally invested in this match where he's just like please stop hitting him with this chair you've done it enough there's voice lines you can hear from the wrestlers to one another uh triple h if you won't end it i will undertaker saying don't stop the match whatever you do don't stop it to michaels and just Michael's facials in this match are—they uh, are—they are immortalizing. They are—they are unforgettable. The—I'm the, uh, going to talk about the spot now because let's face okay. it, me talking about this spot now—it's to the point where Undertaker's just acting on instinct when Michael's goes to check on him. Um, Undertaker out of instinct locks him into the Hell's Gate for way too long, knocking out Michael's, and of course it leads to. Later on, um, the super kick into the pedigree. One, two, two and four fifths. <laughs> uh, the, a kick out. And everyone, I've, I've spoken to Brogan and Simon about this match in length. We'd go for drives occasionally, just talk about wrestling and do wrestling quizzes and stuff. Yeah. You'd think I'd be better at the bear hug clip, uh, quiz from the amount <laughs> of quizzes that we've done about wrestling. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, 
I talk about this match on length, and we have discussed this spot entirely as being the spot in wrestling. The spot where everyone thought the streak was going to be over. The best kickout in wrestling ever. The, the most emotional moment, kayfabe, in a wrestling match where Michaels doesn't know what the hell to do with himself and has to collapse, covering his face, thinking that he nearly ruined the streak on a crime of passion act in that moment. And the fact that the, the torture for him continues in this Hell in a Cell match to the point where, like... You know when I said earlier that I like wrestling being a Greek tragedy? This is yeah. the best example of that. Um, there, there, is, um, there is references to other uh, wrestling matches, iconic wrestling moments as well. There's a, re there's a reference to the screw job in this, the Montreal screw job, where um, Triple H is uh, like urging Michaels to call it and Michaels doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to be that Shawn Michaels anymore. He's been through that. That's over. But he came so close to doing it. There was a reference to, I forget the name of Blonde Ref, bless him. But that's him running down all the way down the ramp. That's a reference to one of uh, Michaels matches with Taker. Um where he comes in and just gets sparked out himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and there's um, another reference when uh, near the end of the match, um, which I'll get to. Yeah. Um, there is, of course, the classic take a sit-up spot uh, and Triple H reacting to it by just the... Or another one. With, with the stunned expression, goes down to his knees, clutching the sledgehammer. The sledgehammer, of course, in its in and of itself being utilized so well in this match as well. There is also one point where Triple with Triple H about to literally cave Undertaker's head in before Michaels grabs the grabs it and then they have their altercation. This was just a constant drama. Um and it made you feel like this was a season finale almost, especially up until the final bit where Triple H is mirroring what Michaels did by climbing up Taker uh, and doing like after one last cro uh, like crotch chop, defiance in defeat um, until, of course, the finish where they all help you, where they all go up the ramp together, celebrate together um, in a truly emotional moment for. Everyone who kind of grew up with these three being the wrestlers. Um, in my opinion, like I said a couple of times now, this is the perfect wrestling match in my eyes. In my eyes, at the very least. Sure, like, action-wise, from a technical standpoint, it's not it's not a Danielson Omega match. Sure. Hmm. Sure. But it doesn't need to be. And it's a pure no. example of, yes, we get to enjoy those matches, and we do. I love those matches. But it's so long as you have this element, which this match utilized so very perfectly um, in my eyes. I look back at this match with absolute fondness. And I think if anyone who's a stranger to wrestling asked me why I liked wrestling, I would repeat a lot of those points that are exemplified so heavily by this match, which is why it's my number one. 
I mean, damn, man. I mean, I don't really know what else I can add to that. I think <laughs> I mean, that was just perfectly summed up. I mean, again, yeah, this is like kind of the whole point of this list and the fact that this match sums it up. It kind of sums up what you like as a wrestling fan. Mm. Again, like I said, Greek tragedy, you just love a good story in wrestling. And, I, and you're right with this one. This is like one of those rare things where they banked upon so much history between these three yes. people and just managed to make it all converge that the fact that like... I always thought End of an Era was a weird title, but then when hearing you sort of sum it up, then yeah, it pretty much was. I mean, fair enough, a lot of them, uh, Triple H and Taker, still had a couple more matches following this. It wasn't like they were finished, finished. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it was it was one of those things where it, it, it probably did feel that way to a lot of people, that these were like the three biggest guys for the longest time that a lot of people grew up with. And they were having, and have a lot of history together. And this is kind of where it ended. And I mean... Uh, what which WrestleMania was this? Was this twenty eight? This one? this was twenty eight. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like again, it was like one of the last few solid Taker matches as well. Like he was mm. really at the point where he was about to be done. I mean, after this, I mean, I love the CM Punk and ma the match he had with CM Punk, and then after that is mm. when it kind of drops for me. Yeah. After that, it's Lesnar. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and then and then after that, Wire, and then and then it stopped becoming. You know, oh, I can't wait to see what Taker's going to do this year. It's that becoming like, oh, dude. Yeah, just, please, <laughs> yeah. please, man, please. Yeah. But yeah, again, it's it's one of those ones that, like, I just think it, it sums up perfectly, like, the list we've gone through with yourself. And yeah, great choice, mm -hmm. man. Honestly, great. And it's just great to see how much you, you love this match and sell it so well. I mean, I, I it's been a while since I've seen it. I think I'm going to have to go back and watch it after your. Brilliant it's a, it's right a there. long watch. Like I say, it's nearly an hour. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, it, yeah, like when I when I when I like when when you say like it relies so much on wrestling history, like I completely agree, and that's why I like it because they. I think one thing WWE has a big habit of is that they forget that we remember. Yeah. Um, uh, and and when they when they do like big gimmick changes, the Ginger Mahal stuff, Bearcat Lee, um, and all this nonsense, um, they. They rely on us forgetting sometimes, but when they are like, because they they preach history so much. WWE is a company that's foundations are so sturdy because they have such a rich history going back oh so many decades. Oh my god, so long. Where like, it's nice sometimes that that can play into a match. People know mm. WWE's history. People know the especially know the history between Michaels, Taker, Trips. And the fact that this this match so perfectly references it all to make it feel like this match has been building for nearly twenty or so years, that like that yes, this is in, this is like I said a series finale, and I yeah, it, it, um, I I yeah fully I rewatched this match this morning, uh, and and it, this was the first one I went to rewatch because it I I hadn't rewatched it for a while, and I was like, does it still hold up? Um, am I overdrivatizing this in my head because I'm nostalgic about the old days of wrestling? The answer is yes and yes. Uh, yes, I am nostalgic <laughs> about the old days of wrestling, but there is a reason I am, and it's because of this match, and this match is great. Um, and also, it's a, also a, gr a good way of kind of including those Michael, Michaels and Takers uh, matches which are also some of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. And also the Taker versus Triple H match that came before this, 
which was a pivotal kind of plot point that drives this WrestleMania uh, match forward and really explains the reasons why Triple H is just constantly hitting Undertaker with a steel chair just repeatedly and repeatedly. You get to see almost the breakdown of the Cerebral Assassin. It's just, oh, I could be here for a little while talking about this match. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I love it. I love it a lot. And that's my number one. Perfect sentiments, exactly. I think you're going to need to make a matches you need to see about this one, Scott, because I feel like you could do a really good episode to add to the canon. Uh, I, de- I definitely will, uh, will, will, uh, yeah, I definitely will start working on that. That's a good idea. But yeah, <laughs> tremendous. Because <laughs> um, you beat well, me to it on the previous one. <laughs> I was, I was the, yeah, you go. gotta be yeah, quick, yeah, man. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely tremendous, guy. Uh, brilliant, Lisa. Thank you for sharing that with me. And uh, well, yeah, we're going to be getting all the rest of the Bear Hug boys on to do theirs at some point, as well as hopefully a few other people because I quite I quite like doing these kind of things. I uh, just love to see my friends, why my friends are into wrestling, what they like about wrestling, and doing a top ten list is kind of like the perfect way to basically get that out of people so thank you so much for being the first one scott um you for 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 talking for listening to me ramble on about (laughs) greek tragedies and uh and characters bollocks really (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i I love this weird thing that we like although it's sometimes weird but i like the thing we like um because uh, it's weird because it's weird uh and there's nothing else quite like it at all people who say like Oh, I'm sick and tired of wrestling. I'm gonna go watch go watch MMA. I'm like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> fine, fine. You're not gonna get the same the same rush of joy, but fine. I mean, MMA is great, but it's it's not scripted, is it? So, uh, <laughs> Doesn't yeah. have the mad shit that wrestling does. Exactly, exactly. Uh, exactly. And we all need mad shit in our lives. Yeah. Uh, well, if you enjoyed us on this journey, then please go check us out over the social medias, Bear Hook Club Podcast, Facebook and YouTube, Bear Hook Club Pod, all one word, Instagram and Bear Hook Club on Twitter. And you can check us out over at the website, which is bearhookpod.wixsite.com forward slash bearhookclouds. Like I say, keep an eye out for more of these episodes coming along, as well as check us out every Wednesday and Friday for Wednesday Night Poor and Friday Night Raw. And just expect a lot more stuff coming in the near future. So until then, take care, everyone, and goodbye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>